Good morning to our Road Bible Chapel. Welcome to those who are joining from other rooms and spaces and locations. Uh, I invite you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 6 to start. We're going to be continuing our series today on Jesus Called Me by Name, and we'll center today's discussion on the person of Judas Iscariot, one of the apostles. Next slide, please. And looking from verse 12. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve whom he named apostles, Simon, who he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Let's look to the Lord. God in heaven, thank you for your word. We thank you for what it can show us about you and what it can show us about ourselves. We know that before your throne, um, none of us are clean, saved by the grace and mercy of your son, Jesus, by whose blood we are granted redemption and the forgiveness of sin. Grant us, Lord, that as we open your word today, you would give us peace in our hearts, insight into your holy scripture by the assistance of the Holy Spirit, and that our lives would be changed. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Next, please. Our study this morning is an especially interesting one, given that we're going to consider the story of Um, or the very interesting story of one of the most complete villains in all of human history, on par with Benedict Arnold, next, Marcus Brutus, next, Robert Hansen, next, Ephialtes, next, and Frito. It is interesting to consider how out of all of the events in all of their lives, All of those characters' names have become synonymous with betrayal. Next, please. But this is a bit of a different story, and I think it's worth considering some of the past history and not just the final event whereby we most know Judas Iscariot. Immediately after being called by Jesus, uh, Judas accompanied the, the entire crew down with Jesus and saw Jesus deliver what is probably the greatest sermon ever delivered, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and then if we follow the, the story from there through the, the scriptures, looking at a number of different passages, including uh, Mark 6, which we'll look at in a second, um, we see a very different picture of Judas Iscariot emerge as the story begins. Next. Starting from verse 7 from Mark 6, and he called the 12 and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. 
If any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. And so they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Notice what's not in this passage here. It doesn't say, so they went out except for Judas and proclaimed that people should repent. And they all except for Judas cast out many demons. And they all except for Judas anointed many with oil who were sick. And they all except for Judas healed them. That's not written. So we can infer that Judas was involved in all of this. The scriptures here are quite clear, actually, that Judas himself was given authority over unclean spirits. That he himself was involved in the casting out of demons, anointing the sick with oil and healing them. And if you take a uh, quick look at the... um, Uh, chronologically at at Judas and miracles throughout the Bible, we can probably see that Judas was either involved in or personally witnessed about 15 to 16 uh, minimum miracles that Jesus performed. Now, we do know from the word that even from from the outset, to some extent, that he was prone to thievery. He used to help himself to the money bag, as John 12, 6 tells us. But let's look at, uh, let's actually jump to the end of the story with that in mind and see how Judas earned his name as a traitor. Next. The Gospels actually record the betrayal scene a little bit differently from one another. Uh, Of course, we know that multiple individuals can view the exact same event and record different things said during the event. So the seeming differences in terms of the betrayal scene should be taken as just pieces of the whole story. So when we put them together, we got a, a, maybe a larger, more cursory look at what actually happened here. I'd actually like to read all four of those because it'll be very interesting what's in there and what's not in there. In those passages, this is where we see Jesus called Judas by name. But let's see how this develops here. Next. From Matthew 26, verse 47, while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I will kiss is the man, seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, greetings, rabbi. And he kissed him. Jesus said to him, friend, do what you came to do. And they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. Now to Mark 14, starting at verse 43. And immediately while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. 
And when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. And to Luke chapter 22, verse 47. While he was still speaking, there came a crowd. And the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Next. And to John 18. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the, uh, the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and the disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. So what's, what's very interesting here is that as how we see our Lord interact with Judas. He knows he's a thief. He knew he was a scoundrel from the beginning, which the word tells us. But he still says to him, friend, do what you came to do. I don't think he meant that in our New Jersey way of saying the the slang and uh, calling someone a pal and not really meaning it too much that, that way. No, he says to him, friend, do what you came to do. And again, Judas, would you betray the son of man with a kiss? What I really find fascinating, however, in these uh, accounts, though, is what is not recorded as having been a verbal interaction, but rather a physical interaction, which we see in John's gospel, which we just read last. Jesus comes forward to meet the crowd that was coming to arrest him. He met Judas directly face on. It appears in John's gospel that Jesus came forward to ask them, whom do you seek? And his answer of I am he calls them to fall prostrate, which, of course, is synonymous with worship. I personally believe this to be of extreme importance in our study of Judas this morning, and we'll see why in a moment. Next. Let's go back a little bit to the Last Supper then. And let's see how Judas regards Jesus at the Last Supper right before the Garden of Gethsemane. Next. For the sake of time, let's open to, uh, to Matthew's account, which, um, which I mentioned before. Um, and as a quick aside, the timeline suggests that Judas had purposed to betray Jesus before the Passover. And I, I do think that's important, uh, lest we become deterministic in our, our view of how God deals with us. 
Uh, the passage is slightly different from John 13's account in which we see that Judas, Satan enters Judas during the Last Supper after he had taken the morsel. But let's see from Matthew 26, starting from verse 20. The Lord is telling the 12 that one of them will betray him. And they each, it, I don't know if this is recorded as every single one of them went, went around the room and asked this of the Lord. But it seems as if they went around the room, they asked, is it I, Lord? 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 And to Judas, is it I, Rabbi? We know this to be true already, and Rabbi was certainly a title of great respect. Judas is recognizing Jesus as a great teacher. He's recognizing his intelligence, his wisdom. His ability to teach and instruct someone who is an authority on matters of law and the scriptures. But in my look through the scriptures, and maybe I'm wrong, I'm I'm happy to be, I have been before and I will be again. I didn't find anywhere in the scriptures where Judas called Jesus Lord, calls him rabbi. Judas was unwilling to recognize the lordship of Christ in his life. He was willing to recognize him as a man, a great man even, even someone he followed for most of Jesus' um, earthly ministry. Now, I personally believe that that moment in uh, the account we just mentioned where Jesus said, I am he in the Garden of Gethsemane, and they fell back was, a, was kind of a turning point for, for Judas. Judas was so overcome but by, by what I believe to be the Lord showing his glory just for a moment when he told the crowd coming to arrest him that I am he and they fell prostrate, that it actually changed him a bit. And I think that I think we can see that from what Judas does next. Next slide, please. Notice that it's after this event that Judas went back to the chief priests and the elders and, he, and expressed any amount of regret. Some of the passages actually indicate that Judas changed his mind from Matthew 27. Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. After Judas was overcome by Jesus in the garden and that interaction, He was willing, willing to change his mind and recognize the lordship of Christ. He did experience guilt that was so overwhelming, however, that he could not see a way out. He looked at the cross and could not see the resurrection. He looked at his guilt and could not see the blood. He looked at his sin and could not see the savior. And we know the story from there. Judas went out and purchased a field with the reward money for his wickedness, according to Acts chapter 1. And he hung himself in the field. Akeldama, or the field of blood, was known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And they certainly would have known that Jesus was one of, or uh, Judas was one of Jesus' guys. They certainly would have known that he was his betrayer. And that would be forever a testimony to them of Judas betraying the Lord. So it's a, Judas is a very interesting study. Do we read determinism into the story? Right from the beginning, we're told he was a scoundrel. Why did 
Why did Jesus choose Judas? Is this another Pharaoh that God simply used and then cast into the dustbin of history as a villain forever? Was Judas simply the wrong piece of clay in the potter's hand? Was Judas right in his self-condemnation and was just more committed and brave than Peter, who betrayed the Lord with his mouth three times, if not in action? Should not have Peter done the noble thing, as the current Roman culture would have suggested in the day? This is the height of Roman power and influence. Suicide definitely would have been in vogue, if not the dignified thing to do. Was Judas at really, really at fault here? Should we just blame our ancient enemy, Satan, as the scriptures are clear that the devil influenced Judas during this time? Next slide. I do invite you to look at this story from a bit of a different angle. Judas betrayed Jesus in action. When was the last time we reacted in anger in front of those who, who knew that we were saved, who knew that we were Christians? When have we betrayed the Lord with our mouths among his enemies and failed to stand for Christ when his name was slandered? When was the last time that we, knowing the right thing in our hearts, chose to do the wrong thing and so grieved the Holy Spirit? When was the last time we chose sin when we knew what the right thing to do was? Judas failed to stand for Christ and betrayed him to the popular will of the rich and powerful in society. Society. Have we ever done the same when we're in popular circles and Jesus' name is mocked? That's not to say that we should come away from our discussion and uh, cast a too much of a sympathetic eye towards Judas, more so than any other figure. After all, in many ways, Judas does represent the worst of humanity. He was a thief. He was a liar. One who had spent time with Jesus, performed miracles, saw miracles being done, even had his feet washed by Christ. He was trusted with the organization of finances and bore witness to the dead being raised. But this is it. He was unwilling to recognize Christ as Lord. Next. Jesus comes to us just as he came to Judas in the garden. Next. Jesus comes to us just as he came to Saul from the Old Testament, just as, uh, the, as uh, God came to Pharaoh to some extent just as God came to Esau in Genesis. Sin crouches at our door, but we may rule over it, as Genesis 4, verse 6 tells us. Our Lord, when confronted by his betrayer and accuser, offers us a glimpse of his lordship. He offered Judas a kind word, calling him friend. God calls us to himself, speaking to us gently, and invites us into his kingdom. Jesus called Judas by name. Jesus calls us by name. Jesus called Judas friend, and he does the same for us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, forgive us for not standing for you when we can and when we should. 
Forgive us when we know the right thing and choose the wrong thing. Grant us the spirit of Peter, who after betraying you with his lips, sought the empty tomb instead of remaining at the foot of the cross. Grant that we, your church, would be given the strength of spirit to stand for you at all times. In Christ's name, amen.